What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Keeping It 99 with your hosts, me and Isaiah, and our special guest, Father Abraham. He's a priest at STSA in Virginia and lived in Zambia for 14 years. That's right. Yeah. So how was your experience in Zambia? It was great. I mean, there's no better place to be. Isaiah, you've been there with me, yeah, so you I know. Have, yeah, it's a It's a great mission. Um, people are beautiful. People are wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, we always think of Africa as a place that doesn't have much, but I can tell you it's the opposite. It's, it's full of beauty and amazing people and people who love God. Um, you got to come check it out. So on this podcast, we'd like to talk about um, your service in Zambia. So I'd like to start with, you know, like the beginning, like how did you, how did you know that that's like what you wanted to do? Like, how did you take that step um, to go serve there? That's a great question. I think it started like just visiting on mission trips. Um, The first time I ever went to Africa was the year 2000. Went to Kenya and went to Zambia. And before going, uh, Abuna Anthony Mesa was, he went in 1998. And when he came back, the church started, you know, talking about it. In the year 2000, he was going to go again. And I said, let, you know, let me try it. It was scary because think about going to Africa and you're so comfortable in America. You just want to, it's, so um, at that point, to be honest, I wasn't even close to God. I was just finished, graduated from George Mason University. I started working at a, co- a consulting company. And like after one year or two years, this trip came up and I said, let me just give it a try. And then we, I did one trip in 2000 to Kenya and Tanzania. And that trip um, blew my mind and just changed me forever. You know how it is, Isaiah, when yeah. you go on those trips. And then I kept doing that, short-term trips, short-term. And the year 2002, I went to Zambia and Congo, loved it. And then we started taking the high school kids to Mexico and Tampa, doing stuff around there. And then um, in 2006, 2004, I went back to Zambia and Congo. 2006, I went back to Zambia and Congo. And then after that, um, that's when I was married. Uh, so me and Dai went in 2006. And then we said, we want to go back and just go for three to six months. So we told the bishop, we want to come for three to six months. He said, no. I said, what do you mean, no? I was like, we want to come and just serve three to six months. He said, no, you're coming as a priest and you're coming to stay. I was like, no, 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 no. What are you talking about? I said, well, we said three to six months. He said, no, you're coming as a priest to stay. I said, no, it's okay. So I got off the phone and hung up. I was getting ready to hang up, and he said, okay, one more thing. Just pray and fast about it for a few weeks and come back to me and tell me your answer. Don't give me your answer right now. So in my mind, I was like, that's easy. I'm going to pray, I'm going to fast, and in three weeks, I'm going to tell him, no, thank you. And after three weeks, honestly, like every single day of the three weeks, I'll tell you the first day. The first day was sell all you have, give to the poor, and come and follow me. Second day, when I was reading my, my Bible, it was a story of Abraham, how in Genesis 12, he left his family and went to another nation, and he said, you're going to be a blessing to another nation. Third day, Buna Anthony was giving a Bible study on Wednesday night on the life of Abraham. So it was, it was kind of like that. I don't want to prolong it, but the main thing is like every single day was a message from God saying, go, and, and, and it was no other choice. So that's kind of like a quick version of how we got into from missions, short-term trips, to this long-term, like Bishop Paul wanting us to come stay long-term. And if you really seek God and, and what 
he wants, you might get an answer that's unexpected. So then that's how we got to Zambia, stayed there 14 years, and uh, a lot of awesome things happened there. And like, what was your first um, impression of going to Zambia in general, and then as a priest? It was hard because you're used to, you guys know, you're used to having, you know, the simple things in life, a hot shower, a comfortable (laughs) bed, uh, any kind of food whenever you want it, um, easy access to the internet whenever you want it. That that wasn't there. It was uh, a bit uncomfortable. Uh, I remember the first time I came back from Africa, my first mission trip, I went into the bathroom, and I was looking at the toilet, and I was looking at the shower, and I was like, thank you, God, for <laughs> the simple things that we take for granted every day that we have. It's 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 really like we're we're just thankful. Like we should be more thankful for the simple things. So, my first impression, to be honest with you, of of Africa and Zambia specifically, is how um, the Zambian people are so beautiful. They don't maybe have all the financial means and physical means, but how much they love God and worship God even in that situation. They have little, but they love much. They have little, and they praise a lot. That is it blew me away. Sometimes we're so complicated in the West, in America, and they're so simple and so... Like, if when I was sharing the Bible with them, they would believe it before me. I'd be like, you know, this, 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 and they said, yeah, it's done, we believe it. It's a simple faith. So my first impressions really were how simple their faith was, how much they had little, loved much, and how much they really believed God. They really... God was everything to them. I think we have a lot of barriers in America that keep God, like, in a distance. But for them... God is up close, you know? So that really impressed me. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember when I went to, uh, when I went to Zambia and I came back, like, <laughs> same feeling, like, walking in the bathroom, like, you, you don't realize, um, like, how much you have until you go to somewhere where there's literally nothing. Yeah. And it just, I remember when I went, like, just the joy that you see on the people's faces at all times, no matter what happened, no matter what it was. Like, I remember, like, we were giving out, like, stickers to kids, and we ran out of stickers. And so we started giving them, like, the edge of the paper, like, the sticker paper. And to, th- to them, like, there's no, there's no difference. You know, that, that's, like, for them, that's as if, like, you give a kid in America, like, a new phone. You know, it, it doesn't matter what they get. They're just thankful for, like, what they have. So I felt like that was, that was the number one takeaway that I took from it as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. You gonna come or what? You gonna come to so, you gonna come to so Zambia? Next, next mission trip. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll be there. But yeah, I'm not a big fan of shots, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't like shots, but we'll see. We'll it's see. worth it, man. It's, it's worth it. Yeah, yeah, it's worth a couple of vaccines. But uh, to continue the conversation, um, you spent a very long time in Zambia. I, you know, you started a few um, churches there because there was there was one when you got there, correct? There and, was. Three churches and one priest, Zambian priest, when I was there mm. in 2007. And it grew to? I think there's six Zambian priests and seven churches, I believe. So by the grace of God, it was, yeah. But it wasn't. It didn't always start like that, by the way. It was the first three years, I questioned why I was even there. Because I, 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 I couldn't relate. I didn't connect with them yet. I was still building relationships like we were talking about today. I was still building relationships with them. The two different cultures, American and Zambian cultures, were totally different. Um, I was trying to bring my American ideas and my, all my great ideas, and I was saying, I'm going to come. And, I thought I was going to come and save the day. 
And then the first two or three years, I was like, man, I, I'm, this is going nowhere. It's getting like, it was just barren. It was hard. Um, and when I started asking God to, to lead instead of me lead, things changed. Here's the problem. We get in our own way. Like God wants to do something great in our life, but we get in the way and, and we try to think about how to do it. And we think of strategies. The best strategy is like, God, what do you need me to do? God, what, what is the best way I can help? And um, it wasn't always great. Like you mentioned, how did it grow? But it, that proves one thing, right? That when things are hard, stick with it. Keep tr- like allowing God to be part of it. And then something great is coming. The problem is nowadays we want something great right away. You know, I push this button or I click on this, I scroll here, everything's in front of me. It doesn't work like that. Life with God is different. You got to keep planting, keep watering, keep planting, keep watering. And sometimes the tree is not growing. And then keep planting, keep watering, and keep trying. And then the, the tree will come and then it becomes fruitful. So you just got to stick with it. Um, it was hard in the beginning. Actually, there was times when I said, I asked God, I said, what am I doing here? I think, God, you're wasting my time and I'm wasting your time. Let me just go back home. I really wanted, I wanted to go. And then I think during that time, I started saying, God, okay, what do you want me to do? And I, I challenge your listeners and I challenge you guys to think about, hey, God, what do you want me to do for you? To pray that prayer. What do you want me to do for you? How can I help? Um, and see what God can do. And I think this podcast is a great way to, that you probably say, okay, let me do something for you, God. And let me let, let, let this be a mechanism to bring you to them, to other people. And the more we say, God, Tell me what to do. I'm willing to do anything for you. And then listening for the response and being ready to respond. I think that's the better way to go. Not be a superhero. I'm going to change the world. I'm gonna ch- I thought I was going to be some kind of superhero, but I landed flat on my face. And then that's on my face when I was down. I was praying. I said, God, what do you want me to do now? And sometimes we need that. Sometimes being down is, is good so that we can, can be on our knees praying and God can take us to the next step. Okay. So um, I'm going to switch the topic just a little bit. But um, I want to know, what exactly did you do in Zambia? Like, what exact service did you do in Zambia? That's a good question. So some of the main things we did were, of course, the church services. We were, you know, my schedule every day, I can tell you, was like Tuesday. We always sat down with the, the deacons, and we sat down in, in the church, and we shared the Bible. We prayed together. We did midnight praises together, and we just shared and discussed and encouraged. And it was just like discipling the next generation deacons. It was like deacons there. The deacons there was like not just the, the deacon on Sunday you put on the tunya. Deacon there means that's your life every day. It's a really another another way of thinking. It's like you're full-time in, in the service of God. That's how it was in Acts chapter 6. Deacons were full-time. So the deacons in Zambia were like basically full-time. We'd sit down every Tuesday. Every Wednesday I sat down with the servants. My main role was to build the next generation leader so the church can be strong when I leave, right? That was, God sent me, I didn't realize it till later, God sent me there to encourage, to, to build, and to, to strengthen the local team and the local people so that they can take over. And that's what's happening now. And uh, part of the reason why I left, I felt God saying it's time to leave so they can now take over. Your job is done. It's time for them to take over. So that's why the churches grew, the leaders grew, the congregation grew. Um, we also had schools for orphans. So we noticed the first few years that a lot of people are not in school. Even though school was, was, was free uh, for the for elementary age, people were not in school because they couldn't pay for the uniform. The uniform was like equivalent of like $10. They couldn't afford $10 for the uniform to be in that free school. So we found them just hanging out in the church. They said, what are you guys doing? Why aren't you in school? We noticed that people were 
like 12, 13 years old, couldn't read. They couldn't do... So it started to like like dawn on us that we had another role to do that we had to get people educated. So we started putting... By the grace of God, a school was put. And there was three schools and, and how many people who were vulnerable and orphans came through that school are now graduates of college, they're working, they have jobs. So I got to see that life cycle in 14 years, how people went through and are now in college or, or graduates and working. And so we had three schools, we had seven churches, we had, um, what else, Mission for the Widows, Mission for the Orphans. A hospital. You know, yeah, yeah, the hospital, thank you, Isaiah. That, yeah. One of the biggest projects uh, we have is a Coptic hospital, which is probably the biggest hospital in Kenya and in Zambia. And probably in Congo now, and there's one being built in Nigeria. And and if people can't afford, the hospital helps them for free. So it takes people who can't afford and gives them the best health care, and they pay. And those who can't afford, that's where the hospital gives, like, a vulnerable case, a orphan or a widow or someone who can't afford, we help them out. So uh, we, we help them physically, academically, spiritually. So life there, the church is everything to them. It's not just, hey, I go to church on Sunday. Church is every day and everything for your physical, for your, for, for, for your spiritual, for everything. So by the grace of God, it's, it's amazing to see how people love the church because like, they really feel the church is everything. It's life to them. And I hope we can feel that as well. Yeah, I feel like that's like what the church should be. That's like the fullness of, um, and the beauty of the Coptic church is that it's not just spiritual, but there's a physical aspect to it. There's a, you know, mental aspect to it. There's the church really does cover for, you know, all parts of you. And so I feel like that's very important, uh, and very crucial for us to understand and that we should push to like partake in that type of stuff and to try to push that, you know, ministry, like even here in America. And that leads me to my next question, which is like, what do you see as the biggest difference between the service in America and in countries like Zambia? That's a great question. You know why? Because I ask myself, and people ask me every day, they said, how is Zambia, and, and what, is, what is the difference? Like the same question you just asked. And One big thing, I'll say it this way. One big thing I loved about Zambia is that we all lived together in community. We saw each other every day. Everyone, the members, the leaders, the deacons. I saw the priests, the deacons, the servants. I saw the congregation. Uh, and, and we had a nice... Uh, mix of Egyptian, Zambian, Ethiopian, Eritrean in our church. It was a nice multicultural group, and we saw each other every day or every other day. We lived together in community. We ate together. We we fought together. We cried together. We had fun together. It's like everything. So it's like, it's like your family. And I think what I had to get used to, I'm not saying it's wrong, but what I had to get used to in America is that I'll see you on Sunday liturgy, and I'll see you like for 15, 30 minutes after, and that's kind of the extent of how much we're together. Um, and I understand because America has different busyness and, and things like that, but I like the life of community. If we can figure out here how to really live together more often. And you say, no, no, I'm busy. You know, I never, you know, the Google Google Calendar or whatever, I never used my phone calendar once in Zambia. We just live together. We're always together. But here, I schedule you on, you know, August, like three months ahead, August 16 at so-and-so time. I'm like, it's like you really, like here you can barely see people, and if you do see them, you have to schedule like six months in advance or three months in advance. And um, So that's the positive of Zambia. Then maybe the negative here, but the positive here is that it's so nice to see how many young people love God. And are. I mean, you guys are doing this podcast at high school. 
Like that's 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 amazing. You guys are intelligent. You're spiritual. You guys um, love God, and I feel like the young generation is ready to do something great for God. So I think whoever's listening, I feel like there's there's more to come, and I can't wait to see it. And 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 that's one big difference. I feel like there's there's something great brewing over here, and um, I'm excited to see it. Thank you, Abuna. And I'd like to say, like back to your point about like the community of Africa. I remember. Uh, Abuna Bashoy, who was a Zambian priest, he used yeah. to always say, in Africa, there's an effort family. In America, there's a me and I. And there's yeah. no effort family. So I feel like that's like a, a constant reminder to us that like, life in America is, is very like individualistic. Mm. There's not that sense of connection and community. And we actually talked about this on the podcast on previous episodes about the inability for us to connect, you know, whether that because of technology or just the way how life is. And... I would like to get your thoughts on the role that technology plays in our like human connection. Yeah, I mean, I think technology, I don't want to say technology is bad, but technology needs, like everything needs a limit. Okay, that's what I would say. Like too much of anything is not good. You know, focus too much on money, too much on food. Some of us love food. Eat and eat and eat. And some of us like, so too much of anything is, is, is it's not, we're not balanced. And the problem is we have this thing in our hand. That gives us access to everything. There's got to be a way that we just, we limit it. We don't let it control our life. It's not my life. Yeah, I'm grateful I have it. It can help me in so many ways, but it's not my life. So I would just say, I know technology has a negative connotation. It can be great for evangelism. It can be great to share with people. You can use technology in a, in a, in a very positive way. Um, but I would say my number one thing, and I don't want to prolong this point, but limit the use of it and use it for the glory of God. And it's okay, oh, we're just kind of flipping through this, flipping through that. I think even if you love uh, Instagram or TikTok or whatever, you can, we can use that for, for the glory of God. We don't have to just, we don't just have to, you know, just like be like everybody else. So I would say limit it so it doesn't occupy all our life and use it for the glory of God. I, I would just say that's two quick points, but you guys know that already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, Munna, I would like to get your thoughts on this. Um, so right now we are on... Uh, like a little mission trip, mm-hmm. you know, uh, here in, uh, we're serving Georgia. In, in Georgia, yes, sorry. Um, what are your thoughts, like, how have you, we've been here for one day, so your first day, what have you thought, like, what are the thoughts that have come to your mind, what are the meditations that have um, come upon you, and like, what do you really see as like the benefit that you've had so far? Like, what, have, what did you get out of today? Question. So what did you get out of today? Today. Like, the talk we had, or the talk yesterday, actually, uh, was about wisdom. Mm-hmm. So I I really um, enjoyed that talk about wisdom, because we should all have... No, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, but actually, the, the talk about wisdom that we had yesterday was... Um, very good. Dude, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. All right, all right. So, so I, what did you I guess, hold on, hold on. Okay. We did today serve uh, in the field, uh, field, right? Yeah. Okay. So, we did serve today, and um, we sat with interns. Yes. They were like refugee interns, yes. right? Yeah. So, I think the connection that I got with a specific refugee, like, we went out during the game to play the scavenger hunt. And I think we really connected and 
like we didn't exchange numbers, but hopefully we will. But I really, I really enjoyed how we conversated back and forth, and we really got to know each other. So I think the connection that me and him had was um, really good. Yeah, I'll agree a hundred percent. And I remember like when I went to Zambia, like the connections I made, not just with the people I was serving in Zambia, but the people who I served with. Those connections, I, I mean, I still talk to you know a lot of people I served with today, and even some of the people that I did serve in Zambia, um, I still talk to a few of them, and it's it's that it's that shared connection and that shared bond, like 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 what we're talking about today, like with the um, at the at the lunch, um, we're talking about like those relationships go a really long way, and you learn so much, like like uh, Rafi said this on the podcast, he said. You know, the service doesn't need you. You need the service. And I hear you say every time we go and serve. <laughs> because I always have it in the back of my head. And I've, it's a really powerful saying because it's like, like what Abuna said, like he went to Zambia trying to be the superhero. Mm-hmm. When in reality, like he gave it to God and he was, he was the one that was being helped in the end. Um, and I feel like that's very important when it comes to service and just life in general that you can't always be like the center of everything you can't be the center of your thoughts you have to make god the center of your thoughts and like you're like how do we do that though when i'll ask you that question how do we do that how do we make god the center of our thoughts i mean i think that sometimes we think that here's my life in school here's my life at home and here's my life at church or here's my life wherever and the problem with that is that we act so different in every one of them like if you're at home with your family Mm -hmm. how do you act respectful and <laughs> oh oh like really how do you really act yeah. by the way they say when you're at home that's who you really are mm-hmm. your guard is down you might say something to your parents a certain way you might say something to your sister or brother like what i'm saying is like at home you can let loose and you kind of like you probably that's who you probably really are in front of the priest at church or right now in front of oh, me yeah, yeah, how are you right now and what if i leave and you're hanging out with the guys how would you be <laughs> Like, it's a little bit story. different. I mean, yeah. so, so I think that, like, you don't have to separate your school life, your work life, your church life, your fun life. It doesn't have to be. It's under the same umbrella. My life is, like, all my life is yours, and these are just parts of it, right? It's the same house, different rooms, but it's the same house, right? We have to make sure that we put God in every room in the house. We can't let it be, this is, a, don't compartmentalize, like, each room to be separate. And I think that when you're at school, why not? Like, say, God, I need you in this school today. Mm-hmm. Why not have your thoughts thinking about him more? It's a Christ-centered life, right? Our life can be me-centered, which is probably most of us, or it can be Christ-centered. It's like, everything you're thinking about is like, I'm making this decision because I'm putting you in the forefront, right? It's like, it's basically like, you're here, and all your life is there, but in between is who? Is Christ. So like, you can't get to there without going through him. So that's what we want to get to, right? As young people, we want to, like, God, I want you to be part of everything of my life. I don't want to be different. I want to be the same here, 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 here. You're all, I want to, you know why you should be the same in all those four places? Is because there's the same God who's standing right in front of you, right there. Like, you're not, you're not, you're not like, you're not like invisible to God when you're at home. You're not invisible God when you're in your room by yourself. You're not invisible when you're joking around with your buddies at school. And you're kind of like, we all say different things. He is ever present. So now it's our job to put him there, like to not put him there, to remember him, that he is there. And that's when we kind of like, God, I need you in this, and I need you in that. 
So I think it's different. Make your life Christ-centered and not me-centered. Um, and that changes things. Yeah, what you said right now actually reminded me of um, James chapter 2, the chapter we read today. <clears throat> Excuse me. You're good. Where um, it said, don't like, uh, I don't remember the word, but it said something about the rich man in the church being in the very front, but the poor man has more faith, but they like throw him to the corner or something. That you should always have a... Like to not show partiality yeah, to partiality, one Partiality, that was the word. Thank you. Yeah. I think that's what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, and we, we do partiality all in our life, but um, and when we include God in every part of our life, then we're going to treat everybody the same. Mm-hmm. We're going to be respectful to everybody, not just, you know. So it's important to do that. Thanks for bringing that up. No You're paying attention, man, in the readings yeah. and stuff. That's <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Yeah, when, and, I, and I, I agree with like what you said earlier about like, you know, realizing that, you know, your life is all, it's all the same God. And I feel like that's something that I've been trying to overcome is that like double-mindedness that like you're two different people, you know, you're different person from every single different crowd. And that's something that like, I know like that a lot of people struggle with, including myself. And that is something that, you know, you always try to work on. And it's honestly very, very hard to like not be a different person in front of different people. So how would you, um, like, like what advice would you give to someone who's tr- like trying to um, act the same way, like act in a, in a Christ-like way in environments where that's not necessarily encouraged? Yeah. I think the first thing is that when you are trying to be Christian in a place that's not encouraged, they have to know that you're a real person. Like we never want people to feel that you're above them. You know, Christianity gets a bad name, by the way. People think that Christians are judgmental. Oh, you're better than me, so you're saying that. So number one, we got to, like, you know how it says St. Paul became um, a Jew to the, so he can win the Jew, and he became like a Jew. So he became, he became all things to all people to save some. So, like, we need to build relationships with people. We can't make them feel that we're judging them or we're better than them. Let's be honest. Sometimes in our mind we think, oh, I don't do that. I'm better. Like, we might even say in our heart, I'm better than you because I don't do what you do. But I think people need to, first of all, we were talking about this today earlier, we need to build relationships with people. And then second, don't make them feel judged. You know. And actually as a Christian, even as a priest, I'm telling you right now, I, I learned that I want to be open with you guys that I make mistakes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to be a priest, I'm a Christian, I'm a leader of the church, but I make, mista- make mistakes, I have weaknesses. I want to be kind of open about that. I don't want to think that I'm up here and you're down here and I'm trying to teach you something. No, we're all in the same boat. We're all, we're all kind of beggars trying to, you know, we're hungry for God. We all need food and we all need strength. We're all in the same position of, hey, we have some brokenness in our life that we need God to heal. We're all there. So as a Christian, if you're dealing with someone who's, you're trying to be different or you're trying to be unique or stand out, you definitely have to have a good relationship with them, but you definitely have to be real and let the people know that, hey, I love God, but I'm still a work in progress. I don't have it all figured out. I love God, and I want to. I want to live my life. And they might say, "Oh, you're a Christian. You're saying you said a curse word. Oh, you did that." But you say, "Look, hey, I'm a Christian, and I love God, and I make mistakes. But I'm trying to walk that walk. I'm trying to live that life, right?" So I think just being real, build relationships, and be real, and tr- and, and and let people know that that we're all in the same shoes, and we're trying to get somewhere together. You know, I think that authentic is the key word. Is that when people know you're authentic, 
they they will they want to know more and they want to and they they want to hear from you but if they feel like you're some fake hypocrite or somebody up here they never want to they can't connect with you yeah and i agree and like for me personally i've noticed that like vulnerability and vulnerability in general is very hard to come by nowadays like a lot of people like keep themselves stay private but i've noticed in my personal life like in order to build those connections in order to really have a real relationship with a person in order to really like lead someone in the right direction who's Christian or not Christian, you have to be vulnerable and you have to be willing to be open and to talk about, you know, like your struggles openly. You can't just be like a closed book. Obviously like be wise about who you tell what to, but you can't just be a closed book forever because you know, there that's, it's not human. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's better not to preach, but to share what's going on in your life and, don't preach to them and tell them yeah. you need to be like this. But never say you, by the way. That's one thing. Say me or we, but never say you need to do that. Even in my preaching in Zambia, I used to say, you need to change and you need to... And I was like, wait a minute. And I said, I need to do that. And and I changed my way of preaching to be about me, not about, about them. And that impacts them as well. Yeah, I remember when I was in Zambia, the, the first advice that I... The first piece of advice I got was um, like that, that first day I was there like full day when we went out and we preached um, to people's houses. First thing I did, uh, really got put on the spot. Uh, we go to the first house, um, you know, one of the other people. So I was I was the last one to go. So we were like five houses in. And right before we, we walked inside, um, Chris, I don't know if you remember him. He told me, he was like, you know, the one thing you should do, talk about something that you've experienced. So I, and so I, I went in there. I, don't, I honestly don't remember what I said. But I remember like leaving that feeling, feeling better about the fact that I said something about like myself and I was able to be vulnerable with people that I don't know more than like, you know, I was preaching or something like that. For me, that was that step is really what I guess made that trip so enjoyable for me is that for that entire trip, I was able to be real, to be personable and to really like put myself out there. Because if you think about it, what's the worst that can happen? Like. You know, there's nothing bad that that'll come out of being a real human being. So yeah, people connect with that. They they want to hear from you. You can go preach a verse in the Bible, which is good, but when you add what that verse means to you and how it's impacted you, or that's when people open up and they want to hear more, and it's it's more impactful for both sides, right? For yeah. you and for the one you're. For sure, I agree, hundred percent. All right, well, thank you, Abuna, for being on the podcast. Uh, hopefully, we'll see you another time, and we can get you on Definitely. again. Thank you. It was an honor and a pleasure to have you. It's my honor. You guys are the best. I'm so proud of you guys, what you're doing. Keep doing it. Everyone who's listening, share this. And and these guys are the best. And uh, I'm so honored to be with you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you, Buna. All right. That's it.